Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is powered by Podcast Network Asia. For more information on the shows and the network, visit podcastnetwork.asia and Podmetrics, the only analytics you'll ever need for your podcast. Sign up for free at podmetrics.co and use my referral code RJ Ledesma. If people don't have confidence, even if we open up the economy, even if there are no lockdowns, people will not go out. Businesses will not open too, because people are afraid uh, of contracting the virus. So uh, we have to set that aside now to move forward. This must be a, an acceptance that we have to live with the virus, just like any other flu that is there. But then we need, we need to be very careful. Yun, 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 I think what is uh, needed moving forward. And hello everyone, welcome to the RJ Ledesma podcast. In the RJ Ledesma podcast, I will be speaking with the country's pioneering business personalities and entrepreneurs to learn more about their philosophy when it comes to business, their best practices and success secrets, and their business innovations during this pandemic, and of course, the emerging opportunities that they see coming up in the new normal. Now, is there a business personality or entrepreneur that you would like me to interview here on the RJ Ledesma podcast? Please let me know. Drop me a message. I would love to interview them here on the show. Now, on today's podcast, it's going to be a bit different because I want to focus on a topic that is and will be affecting many businessmen and entrepreneurs, not just this year, but maybe for the years to come. And what I really want to talk about is our second quarter gross domestic product, our GDP. Because I thought that it was going to be bad, but I didn't think that it was going to be that bad. Now, our GDP has shrunk to a record low of negative 16.5%. And technically, our country is in a recession. And later on, our guests will talk about more of what a recession really means. Now, as an entrepreneur, uh, I often teach people to have an entrepreneurial mindset. And part of having an entrepreneurial mindset is that you're trained to think about resilience. You're trained to look for that silver lining or those opportunities in crisis uh, during challenging times such as these. So for this particular podcast, I've enrolled the help of my two very good friends, a good friend who have become very good friends of mine actually during this pandemic uh, the first one is the RCPC Vice President and Chief Economist, Mr. Michael Ricofort, and Ateneo Professor Dr. Alvin Ang to help me get a better grasp of what were the key drivers for the steep decline in our economy, what were and if there were any bright spots during the second quarter of this economy, and what are the emerging opportunities that entrepreneurs should pay attention to as we emerge, and I say emerge with a question mark from this recession. Now, uh, before I introduce uh, my guests, counting humble brag lang about who they are. Uh, first of all, we've got uh, Michael Ricofort. He was recently ranked as one of the most accurate 
in predicting the inflation rate for 2018 and 2019 by the Department of Finance. And he was nominated by the Asset Hong Kong as one of the best individuals in research in the Philippines by fixed income investors who took part in the Asia Local Currency Bond Benchmark Review 2019. Okay, Michael, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Yeah, thank you so thank you so much, uh, Mr. RJ, for that generous introduction. Oh, yeah. So uh, I, I'm I'm deeply honored to be part of your podcast. Well, I'm I'm very happy that you're here as well, Michael. Please call me RJ lang here. Wag mo ipakita kita natin, <laughs> so okay lang yan. Thanks so much for joining us over here. And of course, this one all the way from Katipunan, Dr. Alvin Ang, a professor of the Economics Department of the Ateneo de Manila University and a senior fellow. Uh, of the Ateneo Eagle Watch. Currently, he sits on the board of the Philippine Economic Society after serving as president in 2013. But he also came from Manila. He came from University of Santo Tomas. He was also the director of the research cluster for cultural, education, and social issues at UST. A growling tiger and now a blue eagle, Dr. Alvin <laughs> welcome to our podcast. Yeah, yeah. Th- thank you, RJ, for inviting me. Guys, thanks so much for joining us. I, this is going to be a very interesting podcast. Many people uh, are listening in right now. Really want to, really want to figure out what's happening uh, to our economy and maybe uh, to make it much more simple for people to appreciate what's happening. I think that's what people really want. Uh, we're seeing the numbers coming out on TV. We're seeing what we read, uh, but those are just the top lines. Maybe there's not a deep enough analysis. Maybe uh, there's a need for better appreciation of entrepreneurs and businessmen as to. Uh, what is happening here right now. But before that, um, these are serendipitous times that we all get together here online. What was interesting about this discussion was, first of all, I I always thought that Michael and Alvin would have met previously (laughs) before meeting here uh, 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 virtually on the show because they're both economists. But apparently, uh, Alvin and Mike, this is your first time to meet, right? (laughs) Yes, yes. That's right. Oh. Uh, yung nakikita lang kayo when you when you when you put out your economic forecast you see you just see your names in the same article I guess seeing what's the forecast for inflation and, and, and GDP am I right? That's right. That's right. Very That's interesting. Correct, <laughs> now and here's another interesting thing before we get in, into this topic. Um, I, I belong to the Rotary Club of Makati West and uh, I guess earlier this year, the first quarter of this year, even before. Uh, the pandemic struck and uh, or came to the came to these shores, and we actually had a lockdown. We invited Michael Ricofort to come over and speak to our Rotary Club. Is that right, Mike? That, this year, right? It was this year. Yeah, that, yeah. Only in uh, early February. Wow, it First seems like February a li- this year. It seems like a lifetime to go to talk about things that happened pre-pandemic. No, <laughs> it was another era, right? Now. Um, but the interesting thing I found out when Mike came over there to talk is that Mike came up to me and said, RJ, or Sir RJ, you used to be my teacher in La Salle. And that really blew my mind. <laughs> tell, tell us a bit more about that, uh, Mike, when, when you saw me and then you realized I was your teacher also at the same time. I, I think it was our first time to meet again after 25 years. Yeah, it was uh, <laughs> sometime in, in 1995, uh, well, sometime around uh, this, this time of the year, uh, towards the third, late third quarter, the fourth quarter, I, I think you, I know, eh, you, you, you uh, when you had your first teaching job, we, kami yung una mong students uh, back then. 
Uh, it's it was corporate communications. Pero syempre it, it was really a, a, a whole lot more. Uh, RJ gave us uh, so much value added uh, in terms of ano, professional debate. But it, it really molded me so much. Uh, it, until now, I still apply all of those, especially the manner, matter, method. And we, were, we had the chance also and the opportunity to also attend some of the professional debate society events. I think there was one uh, back then in New World. Uh, that was a long time ago. That was oh, yeah, also yeah. the latter. That was an international competition. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, it was really, it really trained us uh, on top of the useful corporate communications. It does help a lot to also be, uh, to, to have, to be trained professionally. Especially that, 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 that's really a big arena for the inter, and it really ingrained, uh, and, uh, uh, somewhat, uh, in our growing up years, no? it inculcated in us the importance of having all of those, uh, having a structured way of presenting, uh, your ideas. Of, of course, it comes with the whole package, including, uh, the way it's presented, uh, the manner, uh, the, everything, uh, ah. the, the appearance and also the, and everything, everything that goes along and the, ah. and the, also the method, the structure. I, I was so surprised because, you know, when you told me that, I was so blown away because you really remembered. It was 25 years ago. And as you were talking to me, you really remembered what I actually taught during that time because, um, I was just fresh out of college. I was taking my master's in creative writing, uh, in La Salle. They let me teach. Uh, they let me teach on my first term of my master's. They let me teach already a, a public speaking and debate subject under the Department of Communications. And you were literally one of my first students. So I, I'm so glad to see how much uh, you've surpassed everything. And, and you're now a VP for uh, RCBC. And I'm glad that um, up to now you still remember uh, what I've taught. Hopefully it served you very well in your corporate work. Again, Mike, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, for Dr. Alvin Aman, Dr. Alvin actually... I came idol coin matagal na, but then I've really come across, uh, came across Dr. Alvin because of my good friend Randall Chongson as well. He had common friends, Randall Chongson, who's a very good financial uh, advisor uh, and also very active in, in their church. I know Dr. Alvin that aside from uh, doing your your uh, your work in economics, you do a lot of pastoral work as well. Am I right, Dr. Alvin? Yes, yes, I do. Uh, tell tell us a bit more about that. Well, uh, actually, I'm, uh, I, I have been a Christian for many years now. So, and, uh, after graduating from college, I started to, to do two track, uh, work. So after work, after, uh, I go, go to church and uh, do a lot of, uh, prayer meetings with same age people. And so and my, my wife also came from the same church. And so we, we got together and, uh, that was about uh, the time you were teaching uh, Michael. <laughs> I got married at that time, and then uh, and then I uh, well, as I continued my studies uh, abroad, then I continued to be to be very active in in church ministry up until up until today. Uh, I'm not really a what you may call a, a full time pastor, but uh, I'm I, I part of the eldership of the church, so we we kind of have an opportunity to to be in the pulpit once a month so that's one of my my uh, 
regular tasks. Even during this pandemic, I I still do uh, preaching by uh, by recording it and sending it. But no, <laughs> I record it and send it to church, and, and okay. our team just put it together. Well, thanks so much, Dr. Alvin. Preaching in the pulpit and <clears> preaching <throat> also to all of us here right now. What we have to do in times of crisis like this one. Our faith and, of course, our knowledge will inform us during these decisions. And let's really get into the main topic right now. I was, I mean, you know, many of us were expecting uh, that the economy would decline. But we didn't think it would decline this much. Let me just quote from what Bloomberg had to say. Uh, and Bloomberg said that our GDP shrunk 16.5% from a year ago, according to the National Statistics Agency, which is the worst reading in a data series going back to 1981. And mm. the other thing that's also interesting was that there was a median forecast in a Bloomberg survey of 21 economists, I guess here in the Philippines, that the contraction would actually be 9.4%. Uh, but obviously, it was, it was lower than 9.4%. It was 16.5%. Uh, mm. Tell us... Uh, how about what was your prediction initially, uh, Dr. Alvin, Mike? Uh, Alvin, Nicomuna, what was your prediction of, of what the, how the economy would contract during this time? Well, our, our forecast at the Ateneo Center for Economic Research was uh, about minus 13.8. So I was already like, uh, I, was, I was thinking that it, it, it's good enough. But I knew that it could be somewhere close to minus 20, actually. But I, I don't have the numbers to back it up. But uh, by gut feel, you already feel like it's going to go that way. So more or less the sentiment for you was that at that time, mm. it, it was going to be a double-digit uh, decline in the GDP. Yes, because um, when, when you look at the survey done by NEDA in April, uh, April alone, about 1.1 trillion uh, was estimated to have been lost by the economy. So 1.1 trillion is already like, uh, more or less uh, 5% of your total GDP last year. So if you add, uh, you, if you multiply that by three, you have like 3.3 trillion being lost. I mean, if, if that is a standstill type, then that it could have been worse. I mean, so really when you try to open up the economy towards the, towards June, late May, June, that, that, that at least, you know, stop that, uh, Stand still because what happened is stand still. You know, from previous crisis we had crisis before. Hindi naman stand still. It was like uh, some sectors are not moving, some are losing money a lot, some are financially uh, stressed. But this one is you you stop everything, so it's not unusual to have double digits uh, decline. Okay, so having said that, how about how about you, Mike? Really, I, and interesting because you come from both a bank and an economic perspective. Uh, were you one of those also that, that Bloomberg spoke to with regard to your own uh, prediction for what the GDP would be? Uh, it was yes, a permanent, I gave, I gave they, they put, mm. Please, please, go ahead. Yeah, I gave of, uh, minus 10 to minus 15% for the second quarter. And, uh, well, uh, well, if you look at the indicators, I was thinking, okay, it may be, it may look uh, reasonable. Uh, well, it turned out to be a bit uh, closer to the higher end of my forecast uh, because looking at the many major economic indicators like manufacturing, uh, exports, imports, they contracted somewhere between minus 20 to minus 40. So if you average them, that's uh, close to minus 30%. But, but of course, mm -hmm. those, are the, uh, th those are just parts and parcels of the economy. 
uh, there are still other indicators. And you, you look at tourism. Tourism now has declined by at least 7%. Vehicle sales, uh, so far, the year-to-date average is minus 50%. Uh, and and uh, there's like remittances. Uh, remittances year-to-date, uh, now it's uh, minus 4%. So, of course, um, uh, so blending it with the consumer uh, consumers spending indicators, because consumer spending accounts for 70% of the economy. So, uh, well, it turned out that the, the contraction in consumer spending, uh, which is around uh, 15, minus 15%, it's pretty much close mm-hmm. to the actual, con- of course, because of the, it's a huge share, as well as the contraction in services also, that's around 15%. It's very much re- reflective of uh, the, the overall economy. Uh, economy's contraction, but we weren't really this surprised because um, because this is unprecedented. We haven't really seen the, this uh, lockdown in our lifetime. Never had we seen uh, governments, even the most powerful ones, just deciding just one day uh, close the economy. Uh, like in our in our case, it's two month uh, shutdown. Just for it's, it's primarily a health issue, just to prevent the COVID nineteen from spreading more than anything else. So it's it's they just. For they, everybody else, uh, even the most powerful countries, they just forego whatever uh, economics and uh, business just for the sake of uh, having uh, of, of the public health issue, preventing the COVID-19 from spreading and, and in the process saving thousands, if not millions of lives. Okay. Um, my question is, this is very, well, you know what? Uh, I've, I've been speaking to economists and the idea is that you guys, I mean, I'm looking at both you, Dr. Alvin and Mike, I mean, me as a regular citizen, as an entrepreneur, I mean, I took applied economics for college, but, you know, it's not something that I applied as a career. But as I look at things, I'm very much alarmed as, as a businessman. Um, looking at those numbers, I guess, you know, how do you just absorb it? I, I mean, I'm very alarmed because my first reaction is, of course, I'm alarmed. What, what, should we, what, what should we communicate to people right now when they see that number? Should they just be as alarmed as us? Should they, you know... Uh, should they start, you know, stocking up? Because for them, this is like a, a scenario they've never seen before. What should be the initial reaction when you find out about, oh my God, the economy dropped by 16.5%. Uh, what, how should I put it into context, uh, Dr. Alvin? Well, uh, think of it this way. You know, if you look at the initial reaction, the stock market, in fact, did not die at uh, six, minus 16.5. So it was being expected by uh, by the market. But uh, people, I think, uh, they have long, um, how do you, how to say it? That ordinary people have long, uh, discounted it in the sense that people do not really, uh, uh, look at the, the GDP numbers are late. Meaning they are two months late. By the time it came to us, it's just a matter of, uh, we know it, it contracted. It's just a question of how deep it is. So I think, uh, in a general sense, people were, we're more more looking forward already how to move forward rather than look going back and, and looking at these uh, scary numbers as you are are saying. Um, it yes, it is unprecedented. People are, uh, I mean, even uh, the I think the oldest people alive today uh, well may have experienced World War Two, which is the wor- worst than than this situation. That's the only comparable time that we had the, the very difficult. Uh, economic situation, but this is only five months, you know, and um, 
it's a question now uh, of uh, who can who can survive and adapt to this new environment. So I think people are not worried so much about uh, people are not worried so much about what's uh, going to happen uh, to them because they're all waiting. Everybody's waiting. Uh, when when are we going to have the confidence back? I think it's a question of confidence, just like like. What um, Mike said, this is a you know, this is a uh, health issue. So, if people don't have confidence, even if we open up the economy, even if there are no lockdowns, people will not go out. Businesses will not open uh, as much as uh, they want to because people are 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 afraid uh, of contracting the virus. So, yun yung ano eh, no? the balancing act na ginagawa natin. I think. Uh, we have to set that set that aside now uh, to move forward. This must be a, an acceptance that uh, we have to live with the virus, just like any other flu that is there. But then we need we need to be very careful. Yun, 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 I think what is uh, needed moving forward. Okay, I think people are not so much afraid uh, about what's going to happen. They're all eager to get back to work to do business. But that requires that they have the confidence. So, parang hindi na intindihan masyado pa yung ano, or or they're not thinking about the numbers. They're not thinking about the numbers. Uh, yun ang assessment ko. But you can see the impact of the numbers by 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 looking at your social media, the news, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I think the number of people wanting to go back to the provinces called LSIs. I don't think they're all uh, stranded people. There are people working here. Who don't want to stay here anymore? So these are, you know, the most affected people will be those with the least income opportunities. So this will be the one that will be really uh, affected. But I think people uh, are moving to, you know, like like entrepreneurs like you have moved to to the digital space, and you continue to pr- produce uh, economic value, but not as much as before. But because this transition. So critical dito yung confidence, you know. If people have confidence, uh, I, I believe we can um, even if this is deep, uh, we we can recover. Not as fast, but it doesn't uh, matter as long as we get back confidence. That's Thanks, Doc Alvin, there's a lot really to unpack by what you said right now, really. Because uh, it's sort of like the, the bounce back of the economy will be a function of our confidence uh, in, in, in restarting the economy and that is a function of how well the government does a balancing act of us living together uh, or working together with having this virus and, and this is something that, that we're, we're going to have to think of for the, for the next couple of months and also if people here have questions here right now that you want to ask our economists Michael Ricofort of RCBC and Dr. Alvin Ang of the Ateneo Center for Economic Research and Development please feel free uh, to drop a question in the comment box we would love to answer your questions now, um, like I said, no, uh, we'll get back, we'll unpack a bit more of the statement of Dr. Alvin Ang in a bit. But let's talk about to Michael. Michael, also you. I mean, you, you know, the, the way that you guys deliver it, very calm, 16.5%. It's like there's nothing to worry about. Meanwhile, we are going, oh, what's happening? What's happening? Uh, what is the reaction that, that we should have, Michael? What, I mean, it's a, very, it's a very sobering and also something that, that you, that's very alarming. How should we appreciate it? We as consumers appreciate what's happening right now. Yeah, as uh, well, it is still primarily a health issue. Uh, this COVID nineteen, 
rather than economic. It's not economic. We're coming from a position of strength. Our economy has grown at least 6% for the past, uh, at least since from 2012 to 2019. So, and this is all something by design and something that's uh, by choice, by with the penultimate objective of uh, saving lives more than anything else. Even, well, around the world, they already, well, the most powerful uh, governments have already, uh, well, they, they, they acknowledge this, no? And, uh, the, and everybody else is willing to take the cost. Okay, let's sacrifice one to two months of economic activity of our income, our sales, our livelihood. Let's sacrifice that so that uh, this pandemic will be better controlled. So it won't spread so much and in the process. So it's it, that's a penultimate objective to save millions and millions of lives. So at least uh, I think uh, with that kind of uh, perspective, uh, so yeah, at least we get a better feel. We, we try to size up the challenge right, in way. So the economy is coming from a position of strength in, in that respect. Now, Mike, can, can I just ask you, uh, I think this is very important for us because uh, I, I'm sure that you understand it from an economist perspective, but that I need to understand when you tell us right now that we are coming from a position of strength, what does that mean for the regular businessman or what does that mean uh, for the regular entrepreneur? Why, why is this country coming from a position of strength fiscally? Yeah, we're, in fact, it, well, the irony of it all, no? I remember discussing this in our talk with Battery uh, Club West, Makati. Uh, uh, well, despite the challenges brought about by the by COVID-19, the lockdowns, uh, and the adverse effects on economic data, the Philippine credit rating was even upgraded to investment, to A rating rather. A rating for the first time ever for the Philippines of all times. We, we, the Philippines earned that from Japan Credit Rating Agency. It is now A minus. Uh, that's the third, that's the, that's the three notches above minimum investment grade. And there were also other major credit rating agencies like, uh, like, like, uh, Moody's and SNP. They affirmed the Philippine credit ratings for us. There are, well, if you look at the rest of the world, that's a sign of resilience for the Philippines because uh, the credit rating agencies, they downgraded about 85 countries around the world because of the pandemic. And they also downgraded, downgraded the credit rating outlook for about uh, about 105 countries around the world. So despite that, it, it's kind of surprising that the Philippines has been acknowledged. Uh, that's a strong vote of confidence by the international investment community on the country's fundamentals. Meaning, uh, because our first, our, demo, our, our demographics, that, that's uh, one of the uh, inherent strengths of the Philippines. Our, our population is the 12th largest in the world at around uh, 107 million now for our population. So imagine, if you have that kind of market, the global companies would put the Philippines in the in the radar, if they want to search, grow and uh, search for more growth. They have to go to the Philippines, either as a production base or as a marketing base as well, because of that huge population. If you look at the attributes, and there are many many other, for instance, remittances. The remittances 
for the Philippines. That's the fourth largest in the world. Uh, number one being India, then China, then Mexico. For a time, about two to three years ago, we were, we were even number three in the world, the $30 million remittances. And, 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 and there, there are many other positive attributes to the Philippines. Structurally, even if we have this uh, soft spot right now due to COVID-19, if things get better, things pick up. Uh, those inherent strengths would eventually show up, and uh, and and, bus- and businesses, well, both global businesses and local businesses would uh, would benefit, especially now. Uh, look at uh, the, the, the pandemic has been presenting opportunities. We have seen the central banks around the world uh, cutting interest rates significantly. So our interest rates now are at record low levels. Imagine our bond yields, the long-term interest rates, are, are just 2% levels. And the short-term interest rates are at 1% levels. Never has we seen these bond yields this low in our lifetime. That's why the biggest companies in the Philippines, they're taking advantage. They have been borrowing a lot for the past month or two. We have seen large issuances of bonds by the biggest, biggest names. Because they can only dream off of this borrowing cost just a few months ago. So imagine also consumers, they're more than happy to take out loans to, to, to purchase homes, to finance their purchase of homes uh, via mortgages and to purchase vehicles also. Uh, because never ha- have we seen interest rates uh, this low in our lifetime. So those are the opportunities uh, being presented right now. That's why uh, it's just a matter of time. When we we have seen the worst already, if you look at the economic data, because our economy is already reopening. The worst of the lockdown, the peak or the height of the lockdown, was seen already since the middle of March till uh, the, the the middle of May uh, during the ACQ in Luzon, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. slowly we already saw the relaxing of that uh, ECQ back to MECQ in the latter part of May, and we're already back to GCQ. Come June to July, we only have a, an, an, an intermission of a two-week MACQ from August 4th to August 18th. And tomorrow, we're back to GCQ. As we see further reopening of the economies, not just here in the Philippines, but around the world, we have seen in a lot, so many economic data, month-on-month improvement already. We have seen already the worst in imports, in exports, in OFW remittances, in manufacturing. So it's already, so we have to be all patient. Because as we, of course, realistically, the recovery is still relatively slow, but we're we're working on it, and okay. hopefully, yeah, Ho- hopefully you say hopefully, hopefully, yeah, hopefully we will see better prospects of economic recovery because last just a week, exactly a week ago, around this time, a Russian President Vladimir Putin already announced that they have already come up with a with the first ever vaccine for COVID nineteen, and that will okay. help. Okay. So, Mike, ima- ma- ma- mauna ka ba sa vaccine? <laughs> uh, it has to go through process. Eh. So, uh, ano nga eh, yung FDA approval natin, April pa daw. Tapos April si pa. President, eh, mga May pa daw pwede. Siya pa muna. So, okay. Alam ka, I've got some questions with you with regard mamaya, uh, to the credit ratings. But let's talk about that in a bit more. No, I, I've got some, I, I want to go back to that one. But I want to go back again now to Dr. Alvin. Okay. Uh, Doc Alvin and, and Mike, I, I appreciate the sentiments you've been bringing up, and we're, we're really seeing right now that what you're saying is that um, 
going back to the point of Dr. Alvin, a lot of it is confidence building measures really of the economy uh, to get us back on track. But of course, when somebody says the word recession, it's a very scary word. And I remember a couple of months ago, and this just started off, and I interviewed you for another webinar, you gave a technical explanation to a recession because a recession does look bad. And technically, we are in a recession. But is this recession bad? Because it's not something that was caused economically, but rather by an exacerbating factor, a, a black swan factor like 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 the this pandemic. So help us appreciate, uh, what is this recession that we are going through right now, Doc? Well, just like uh, Mike said, I think this recession is uh, something that uh, no, that, that uh, can be remedied once things are back into you know the the place that we want them to be, like giving back. Uh, I mean, the, when people have the confidence. Unfortunately, uh, this is what is uh, taking time. No, people. I mean, uh, it's it's not very easy to 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 restart many things if the cost of restarting is also expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, some of your colleagues in the in, in the entrepreneurial world have, have already made their sentiments. Like, if you open this particular business, each each industry has its own needs, its own protocol to to dance with this virus. Eh? They cannot uh, no, They cannot have a common protocol. So like in the food industry, ano ba yung protocol? In transport, ano yung protocol? This should be uh, very clear to everyone so that we will have confidence. Because even in the workplaces, we cannot open the factories uh, if we are going to have the same uh, uh, structure as it, it was before. So you need a lot of re-engineering here. May cost talaga ito. So... And, and because of that, uh, even if things are, are going back, um, merong ano ka, no? there is a, a conscious, uh, at the back of your mind, people are conscious, no? paano kung may gumamit ito, paano kung may virus dito, no? that kind mm. of thing mm. uh, is there. No? May worry yung tao. And because of that, confidence is, is uh, parang cha-cha here and there. And so mm. that's why I, I said, it has, to me, it, it's not really because of the of the lockdowns. Kahit, kahit tanggalin mo yan, if the if you will see numbers of people still going uh getting sick you know the numbers keep on rising uh you, you that that will not bring back the confidence very easily um also no siguro i will add lang do sa sinabi ni, ni Mike ni a recession kasi will cause people to lose jobs um because companies are closing down and you have seen a lot of the companies already announcing that they are permanently closing no, in, in business, we are hoping that they are just shutting down. They're not exiting the industry. But many uh, in the in the contact business, meaning uh, accommodations, uh, restaurants, retail, many of them are, have given up no, permanently because it's been five months. I mean, how long can you can you hold on to this environment? Uh, even if you give them loans, these businesses will not go and, and borrow money just to pay for their people's salary and but not oh. get income. Diba? Oh. Yes, agree, so, agree. Oh. Uh, yeah, so it, it's not... That's why the, the, the most uh, practical thing to do is really to permanently close. Now, you don't want uh, businesses to permanently close because you want to... You want to... It's very difficult to restart when they're closed permanently. Diba? Kung shutdown lang, okay lang. Temporary. You close the store or you close the factory. Then when you open, you just open the door and everything starts again. But when you permanently close, you sell, sell assets. You you go on uh, on sunk cost selling, right? So this is like the 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 thing we have. And you know the 
I'm 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 more challenged by the unemployment rate because the unemployment rate is uh, the one that we have seen in June is as of April and that's close to eight million already. Yes, yes. Oh. And that's not even talking about the people who withdrew from the labor force, meaning people who decided not to participate anymore. Either uh, they got sick or either they got frustrated. So, madame, marami factors. So. This is really what we also need to address. Uh, I think you, as part of the entrepreneurial team, with with contacts with the Go Negotiate team, no? it's very important. You know, saving jobs because you need the yes. We we have a big population future, but if these people lose jobs, uh, lose uh, capacity to consume, they they will have very weak bodies. <laughs> So, mas madali sila magkakasakit, di ba? So, these are ano, these are challenge challenges that uh, that the, this crisis is posing that we need to address. So, in, you know, the we don't want the recession to go into a depression, which is much worse, right? because if, if take if this recession takes longer than a year, then we go to a kind of a term the depression. We don't want to hear that. You know? The U.S. went to that a decade of. Uh, 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 economic decline in the 1930s, and it was very difficult. And this is the the key also was jobs. No, wala ng trabaho mga tao. So here right now, it's really a question of uh, uh, how do you restart jobs? No, and and uh, to me, if I'm if I'm part of the government team, I'll be very okay. honest. There will, you really have to tell people there are businesses that cannot reopen. For the simple fact that it's very difficult and expensive to retrofit them into this kind of an environment. Hi, this is Roy Segalar from the Research Department at First Metric Securities and host of the Philippine Stock Market Weekly Podcast featuring timely and relevant discussions on the Philippine stock market and economy in the hope of providing investing and trading guidance to Filipinos. New episodes every Tuesday and as always, your future first. Importante ang mag-save, pero bakit marami ang walang ipon? The answer is because we don't spend enough time in learning practical financial strategies. This is Fitz Villafuerte, a registered financial planner, and I'm inviting you to listen to the 80% Podcast, kung saan tuturuan ko kayo kung paano yumaman. So join me and let's talk about personal finance on the 80% Podcast. Lagi ka bang nag-OT tapos OTY? Meron ka bang mga salbahing boss at pabidang mga office mates? Nako, isa kang immortal. I'm Stanley Chi from the Underpaid Podcast. We talk about work-related topics na parang nagchichismisan lang sa pantry. It's a pro-employee podcast na relatable sa lahat ng nag-opisina, pumapasok man, petics, o work from home. Listen and subscribe to the Underpaid Podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor. Kita-kits, mga uh, That's what I'm concerned about. There's a lot of what we call, I mean, people are coming out of the economy, they're dropping out. Uh, whether I sit in the restaurant business, I see people coming out. And there's a lot of friction costs for them to rejoin the economy because they need mm-hmm. to be reskilled, upskilled, change skilled. Uh, Boss Mike, what can you say about that one? Because these are the friction costs. The un- the un- I mean, of course, there's a lot of good things you're saying of how how how... Of course, our credit ratings improved and how structurally we got the inherent strengths to be able to stay strong. But what do we do here during the short term with, with unemployment increasing and with jobs closing? How do we how do we resolve that? I mean, how do we how do we put all that into context as well? Uh, 
Oh, well, uh, RJ, now we, I, we have been seeing some uh, relatively positive signs already at this point. Because from Mania, uh, they already made it clear, even if the new COVID-19 cases would remain relatively high, the economy would, can, would continue to, to reopen. So that's number, well, that's, uh, that's number one. Uh, keep the economy open as much as possible. Of course, uh, with all the health protocols uh, and other stringent measures to prevent the COVID-19 from spreading further. Because why am I, well, this is very important because if you keep the economy open, it would solve a lot of problems, a lot of issues right now. It would solve the employment. It would also partly help solve the going concern, meaning businesses to remain open and continue operating and keep their workers. And it would also uh, have, it would also provide a steady source of income for government, for the tax revenues. So they'll have money to spend for the various COVID-19 programs, especially now that uh, there, there's already limited resources for economic stimulus. Uh, so that's one. That's why we won't be surprised if any time now there would be further monetary easing measures, mm-hmm. meaning there would be further cut in reserve requirements, enable to uh, infuse more liquidity, although there's already a lot of liquidity now and settled Bank has done quite a lot. Uh, and... Uh, well, the bottom line there, it, it would result to further reduction in borrowing costs. And that would definitely help the economy. So that's one. Because why, why, why are we saying this? Because there are many other countries in East Asia, uh, because they already had the benefit of learning from SARS 17 to 18 years ago, mm-hmm. which was from the uh, 10 to 20 years ago. So they already, well, look at the other East Asian countries. They, they remained open. Some of them even never locked down. It's almost business as usual. Their mass transport system are open, their, uh, their train systems, their bus system, and business is practically open. But look at their cases. It's relatively low. It's not even, uh, it, it, just a few, it's not even a hundred per day. If you look at it quite well, uh, I'm, I'm talking about countries like Taiwan, Japan, Hong Kong, uh, of Vietnam, uh, especially uh, because some of this, uh, even, even Singapore, uh, because some of these countries learned their lesson well and they were able to prepare. They already have the, the, the learning curve of uh, past uh, uh, epidemics or pandemic. Well, at least to a lesser extent, the SARS, which is far mm-hmm. deadlier, meaning the, the mortality rate is 10%, whereas COVID, it's less than 2%. That's uh, right. Mm-hmm. So they were able to develop already a lot of protocols. And and uh, they're they're they have already strengthened their health healthcare system, their uh, hospitals, uh, their their ability to manufacture uh, PPEs and other uh, medical equipment and supplies, as well as uh, the discipline also that's required, the social distancing measures to prevent infections from spreading. So, uh, but it looks like. Uh, it, it looks like to be the exception rather than the rule if you look at the countries around the world. Because uh, highly populated countries that are considered developing, uh, like the Philippines, it's not just us. Eh? If you look at Brazil, India, uh, uh, even South Africa, high growth countries with high populations, uh, relatively higher population densities, uh, they have similar problems. Even Mexico. 
um, and other Latin American countries like Argentina, uh, they have relatively higher cases. Uh, so, and a lot of them are just learning now also. But, uh, well, but, but the, the, the key point, the key point is that, uh, there were, there were success cases in other countries that they were able to manage it well. They, re, they remain, they remain open, uh, business as usual. Even if you look at the economic data, it's uh, relatively far better as a result. And at the same time, their infection rates are very, very much manageable. You'll be surprised. They're getting the best of both, uh, the, the, the best of uh, both worlds, uh, in that respect. Uh, that's why, uh, it's very important to keep the economy open as much as, as much as possible so that, uh, businesses can resume, people can work, they have income, uh, they'll continue to operate, uh, government has money, uh, for, uh, by collecting taxes. Uh, realistically, fine, uh, there may be indicators now. There, there are various businesses, industries, uh, especially even during times of GCQ, starting to, uh, which we will revert back starting tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, Capacity, capacity has been around 30 to 50 percent, which is understandable because we still have the social distancing measures enabled to protect uh, our employees, our customers, uh, because uh, it's really hard to operate uh, full capacity at this point. So uh, maybe gradually, let's give it a few months. If uh, the cases number are better. Mm-hmm. Improving and picking up further. Okay. Uh, let, let, let me step back a bit. Um, I remember reading an article also looking back at the second quarter that not everything was negative for us. Actually, there were a few bright spots for the uh, for the economy. Uh, in the last quarter, and one of those I picked up, which I was very happy about, and which Dr. Ang pointed out in, the, in an article I read where he was quoted, was that agriculture was doing pretty good uh, for the second quarter. Actually, I thought agriculture wouldn't be as well because there were some, some uh, disruptions in the supply chain of getting our agricultural products all the way, uh, because of the lockdown, to get them all the way to where they had to go. Uh, but what are the bright spots, uh, Dr. Ang, uh, despite the second quarter, the, the very negative second quarter uh, GDP? Well, uh, as, as we have been pointing out early on, that we, see, you know, we really have to go back to protect our our food security. And I mean, agriculture is your food security. And uh, essentially, uh, what has happened, uh, we had the lockdowns. The complaints on the logistics parts have been addressed. But still, I mean, uh, there's a lot of uh, opportunities in agriculture there's a lot of opportunities also uh, in restarting uh, construction, especially if you have the right protocols. Because I mean, uh, a lot of jobs can be generated there uh, in in uh, uh, construction. And if you look at the at the behavior of consumers, because you will match it with the behavior of consumers. Basically, it's all in these sectors that have grown, like pharmaceuticals. Uh, particularly not not the not the products not not the maintenance medicines but the mm-hmm. but the alcohols the, the vitamins products. yes yes these are Immun- uh, mga immunity yeah. boosters mga immunity ganyan, boosters. yeah yeah they they made a lot of money there communication you know you you can see it also in the movement of the stock market the biggest companies that earn 
uh, in the first half, PLDT, Globe, yung mga, mga best performers. Also, uh, uh, essential uh, outlets, supermarkets, food distribution, right? And then, of course, power and water uh, will be high on your list there. So, but of course, these are not all for the small enterprises. And these that's are right, big that's enterprises. right. Oh. But at least I'm, I'm saying, I think agri, some construction, uh, um, uh, essential food services, uh, pharmaceutical distribution, for example. These are things that can be can be moved, and they are moving actually to the digital space. Mm-hmm. And you know, one of the calls I I was trying to to tell people when all of this was happening was, di ba itatax nila yung mga online sellers? Oh, I think oh. It, 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 was, it is okay to tax them if they meet the 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 tax required. If they meet the the revenue required to be taxed, but it's important because many of these sellers now that have gone online, they are not registered, so they're not being read. They're not being uh, captured in the economy, you know. But but there's a lot of economic activity. Look at the financial services sector where Michael is part. It's it's the head still you uh, always winning sector in the worst uh, sec in the worst crisis the financial sector grew about more than seven percent right so tignan mo in money is going around so there is a sector there are sectors that are earning at this time so yan yun no? so the the digital space is creating this opportunity for them and that's why I think people uh, generally okay eh, okay pa. Yung mga nawala lang, those who cannot jump to the digital space, these are really the ones who are going to lose a lot of opportunities. Uh, kung hindi sila maka-reskill, upskill, then really, they will lose jobs. And they, they will really have very difficult. Ito dapat yung target ng mga ayuda mo, your amelioration programs. Hmm. But the rest can be retrained, reskilled. Uh, it's just a matter of ano, no, uh, having a good program to bring this all together. Kasi sayang eh. Sayang yung, yung opportunities na nandiyan dyan. No? And, and really, um, the bright spot in agriculture to me is, is really encouraging. Kasi I, I, I really believe that uh, beyond agriculture, you really need to, to look at food security. Yes. Because what if, what if uh, Vietnam and Thailand says, okay, we don't want to sell rice to you anymore. They can do that, you know. Uh, so, kailangan talaga may food security tayo. Even our small mga uh, onions, tom- tomatoes, we still import. I mean, with these are things we can produce because of the big land uh, available for, for agriculture in this country. And then, also, I, if you read, read that article that you were saying, I, I was telling people to, to, to move uh, agriculture into microspaces, not, not to think big muna. Kasi, Everyone, when they go to farming, iniisip agad nila to sell to the big producers, to big sellers, uh, big markets. Look, small scale muna. I think uh, from an entrepreneurial space, yun muna yung kailangan natin to, to test the market. No? And not everybody is going to be a successful farmer. And hindi yan pare-pareho eh. So then maybe there's an opportunity to go to the g- digital part of, of, of uh, farming, the co- accounting part of farming, the technical part of farming, the scientific part. Kasi if oh. it's the traditional way of doing things, hindi mag-multiply agad. No? So I think that that is where, to me, the big opportunity uh, lies right now. Uh, you, save, uh, you save jobs, you save um, communities, you give food security, and most importantly, you provide nutrition. 
I, I'd like to think that during this period of time that that hopefully people saw that, that agriculture was really a bright spot. Because, of course, it's not sexy agriculture right now. No? But, then, <laughs> but, you know, Cherry Atilano, I don't know if you know her, no? one of our co-members of Negosio, very active over there, uh, really pushing for agriculture. At the same time, um, I'm seeing a lot of agri-tech, the, but disruptive agri-tech mm-hmm. technologies, yeah, which is usually using now, uh, using now uh, AI, artificial intelligence, and you know, capturing data and analytics to improve the ability for us to to make agriculture sexy again. So I'm, I'm glad that that's, that's the message that's coming out here, uh, Dr. Alvin. Mike, I, I'm sure you also agree with Dr. Alvin, uh, with Dr. Alvin. No? But what are you seeing the other bright spots uh, when you look at the second quarter data? Yeah. Uh, well, I, I well, the financial sector has been the clear. If you look at the building blocks of the economy, despite the minus 16.5 percent. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the top notch. The top notch belongs to the, to the financial sector, uh, largely banks and other financial institutions. Because why? Maybe learning from the lessons uh, adopted by the banking industry. Well, it's uh, our banking industry is one of the most regulated. Uh, well, at least for the past two decades or so, our our local banking industry has been known to be one of the most regulated in the world. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Meaning, we're trained to different. Uh, we're, we're trained to you know, for, for different kinds of uh, scenarios, especially extreme scenarios, uh, that, because that's that's required by the regulator. Uh, we're required to do uh, contingency plans. We're required to do stress tests and, and other business continuity plans. That's why we're. And that's a lesson to be learned also, especially for other industries. You have to be ready for any contingency, any event. You have to anticipate that. And and you should prepare accordingly. And that's one. That's one part of it. And secondly, and that's that's required, not just locally, but that's also required internationally. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and at the same time, well, the banking industry has been one of the most profitable industries for quite some time, for many years, uh, especially now, uh, because the tendency is for central banks to cut interest rates significantly. We have seen the bond yields at new record low. So banks are making so much money on their investments that they hold, the bonds that they hold. You know, either local bonds, U.S. bonds, or foreign bonds, they made, they made quite a lot. And that, that, that happens whenever the central banks uh, do... Uh, ease monetary policy or sharply reduce interest rates. So that's a key takeaway, actually. Uh, I've seen it even in the 1990s. Uh, banks are, especially the major, the, 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 the major banks, the biggest banks, uh, they, they, they still, whenever there's volatility in the markets, they, they do, they, they, they post uh, huge trading gains, especially if they're in, on the right side of the position. So that, that's one. Uh, well, uh, other bright spots, uh, well, we, we also have to look at uh, now outsourcing. Like, uh, well, BPO, the Philippines is number two in the world after India. Uh, for contact center, we're number one. Especially now, uh, businesses around the world should, should well, with, with this... Uh, of course, uh, there would be a lot of cost cutting, reduction in capex, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and and of course that's part of the economic cycle. Businesses tend to trim down. 
Uh, because if they don't trim down, they, they will they will they will just die, and it mm-hmm. would affect uh, it would it would affect uh, more more people being unemployed. Uh, so so uh, well, key lessons there uh, uh, during the uh, crisis periods uh, is to cut to be to remain competitive and to cut costs. It may, it may be hard, and the Philippines is one of the biggest beneficiaries of that because you're talking about the whole world mm-hmm. in the developed country. The cost here, uh, for every U- one U.S. dollar cost, say in the U.S., the actual cost if they outsource in the Philippines is only twenty cents. So that's just twenty percent of the cost. So that's one. That's w- one of the key beneficiaries in the coming months. People would remain competitive. Of course, it's a, it's a sad story. They would cut jobs in the especially in developed countries, and some of the jobs would move here, say to. Well, Philippines one of the biggest beneficiaries, and uh, that that would be something that's structural. So there would be more BPO outsourcing, more BPO jobs to be created uh, in many operations. Actually, not just contact center, but uh, other back office. If they can, if it can be outsourced, uh, given that we have relatively high population and uh, skilled workforce. So, and at the same time, there are further cost efficiencies or cost savings being achieved by moving into the key cities around the Philippines, in the provinces, where everything else is cheaper. Rental office space, rental space. That's and, right. And so, yeah, so the, 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 that would put that into the fore, on top of digitalization, yeah. to, to remain competitive. So outsourcing, th- those those two would come hand in hand, especially. And we have seen it in the valuations. Actually, look at NASDAQ. We have COVID-19, but NASDAQ is at a record high. We've seen record highs for those who, well, businesses that would benefit the most in digitalization. You have Amazon, you have Apple, you have Microsoft, and uh, those in the online or in the digital space, no? and those part of it no? who provide the infrastructure as well. And outsourcing would be part of it. Uh, as we all know, uh, work from home, well, people may need to uh, accept it, it, it will become part of the mainstream, the work from home. It may not just, before it was just IT related before the pandemic, but now it would move to more traditional jobs uh, to gain greater acceptance, provided that the productivity gains uh, prove to be uh, far higher. Uh, because, uh, and at the same time, uh, uh, well, so uh, other than that, it's in the online businesses, yeah. definitely, because it's I, I very strongly agree. I just wanted to say to you from a personal account, one of the businesses which I run is called EnterPH. We are a consultancy firm that helps foreign businesses offshore and outsource to the Philippines. And during this crisis, we've seen some of the highest number of inquiries of uh, of MSMEs, of micro, small, and medium enterprise and BPOs wanting to do business here in the Philippines. And here's a very interesting fact which I picked up um, from the IBPAP, the Internet and Business Process Association of the Philippines, the ones who handle many of the call centers who come in here to the Philippines. They said that the time that our BPO industry grew the fastest was 2008 to 2010 during the U.S. recession because they were all moving here for cost-saving purposes. And I see that as one of the silver linings which is actually occurring um, during this period of time. Now, I got some call-in questions came in from a good friend, of course, Anthony Pangilinan. And I think other businessmen are also concerned about this one. 
and it's sort of like a challenge between uh, you know uh, with the, with the banks really and they're saying that right now as they are evaluating the bayanihan act that they actually want to do a, a longer term loan moratorium which of course me as an msme i want because i do have outstanding loans in the bank here right now but the banking industry said it could be something that is not is going to be detrimental um in the longer term uh maybe uh dr ang maybe you can explain and maybe michael can uh, can can uh, can also elaborate from the bank's perspective on that one dr ang yeah uh well you know you have to strike a balance there basically uh as it is as michael has said the interest rates are already very low they are all time low so if you are uh, if you are uh, a borrower right now you should be paying i mean the rate should be adjusted to the current levels uh, not not just for new low borrowers no see it's it's of course based on on the new borrowers but uh, those that are stuck with mortgage payments uh with uh SME loans and and corporate loans they still have to pay no there was already a moratorium uh last two months right in the bayanihan one that's right uh uh-huh. but it's not a moratorium per se but it's just like moving the deadlines no you move the deadlines uh next i mean you extend there's extend ex, ex, uh kung dapat tapos ka na ng one year you extend another two months uh so that's what happened but in here i think the proposal of uh, the, if it's the lower house i think that pre- uh, proposed a one year moratorium uh the challenge there is that the banks uh their uh, non performing loan uh portfolio is already rising diba michael uh, it's already they, i mean the the what they have uh, pro- what they have um, like uh, provided for as non-performing loans is already uh, over than the non-performing loans that means if this becomes a uh, one year then it's either they have to book it as a non-performing loan because it it becomes like a you know no it becomes uh, uh, encompassing lahat ng loans yan no it, you know i mean malaking segment yan so you have to it might affect the the bank's uh, stability but uh, having said that on the other side naman you look at the banks right now as michael had said they're really earning they they, they are because they are well uh, regulated they have run the ropes they were the reason why the philippines was not badly hurt by the asian and global finance crisis because we have a very good uh, and well regulated and well disciplined financial system so but right now since they are earning I think the challenge now I what I hear from uh, entrepreneurs naman is that uh, yung mga bagong maglo-loan hindi sila maka-loan because very choosy ang mga banks ngayon. Mm. No, because nga I mean I understand also if I'm the, in the banking sector I would be very careful of lending but that's that's the balancing act you you have there because if you don't uh, lend to these SMEs uh, and into these small uh, enterprises that needs resources right now then they will not be able to pay the loan. So it's parang ano, nagiging chicken and egg yan, no? And that's exactly what we're experiencing right now, Dr. Ang. Di ba? Yeah. Parang right now, we can't pay for the loan. Uh, ah. So how do we pay for your loan? You have to loan me again so I can restart yeah, yeah. the business to Precisely. pay off the loan. I mean, that, that's, really, that's really the situation many of us uh, MSMEs are in right now. That's that's true. That's why um, if I think uh, it was put there as a proposal because yun nga, uh, banks, some banks are still not lending. I mean, naglilend siguro sa big, but the, we really need to to keep afloat the small ones because the small ones are, about 70% of your business are, are 
are really small entrepreneurs. Okay? That's right. That's right. Uh, so you have to keep them afloat. Uh, and one way is really, uh, you know, sa akin hindi siguro moratorium, parang deferred payment mechanism. Pero hindi ganun katagal. No? Not, not too long. Uh, otherwise, it would be very, very, ano, very difficult for 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 SMEs and even even for household with mortgages. That's right. Uh, and and uh, ano dyan? If if there's default in payment, ano Then the prices ng mga real estate and the, the banks will be affected as well because they if it's borrowed from them, then the you know they will be saddled with more. Uh, uh, non-performing loans. That, that's my my point of view. See, Michael is from the mm-hmm. banking. But yeah, but I, I want to say, what, what's your point of view about this about the Bayanian Act? And what what can we do uh, with with regard to the loan moratorium? And and what do you think about that? But like this is a dilemma I am currently experiencing. That you know we have to take out new loans to pay for the old loans so that we can restart the business. But at the same time, it's a very challenging business environment because it's hard to predict really how business is going to react or how consumers are going to react for the next couple of months because. Like I said, consumer behavior, everything is out the window right now. We can't really predict two months ahead of time how consumers will act. So, uh, Mike, how's your balancing act doing? Yeah, it, actually, it's something that's uh, it's a delicate balancing act, actually. Uh, even the regulators uh, take cognizance of this, uh, as well as uh, actually the well, we have seen already uh, some position papers by the biggest business groups, even the biggest backing group. That uh, well, that, uh, that, that it's really moving towards a consensus of uh, something that's shorter, rather than that uh, one year. I think they're working on it already towards the bicam eventually, uh, towards the approval of uh, well, so uh, gradually moving towards approval of Bayaniyanti. Now, uh, what's really critical also uh, and important as well, uh, we, we have seen already. A lot, quite a lot of measures uh, uh, already given by the regulators. For instance, MSME loans, new MSME loans starting March 15, the start of the lockdown, uh, those are already allowed to be counted for, for banks' uh, reserve requirements, the computation of reserve requirements. Meaning okay. It is some, some, somewhat, uh, there's, there's some support already from the central banks enabled to incentivize the banks to increase their lending to MSMEs. So I think uh, there's already a, an increase of about uh, moving towards 100 billion pesos uh, in the in the banking industry. So at least uh, we have seen things picking up because it's like a de facto or it's like an effect. It's also an alternative. Uh, the effects of which is like a cut in reserve requirements, meaning there would be more funds available in the financial system if banks would be allowed to count their new MSME loans uh, to their uh, in computing their reserve requirements. So it's like uh, giving banks incentives to lend more to the MSME. So that at least we have seen all the support from our regulators. Now, at the same time, uh, we have seen also like, uh, uh, well, part of the economic recovery program, which includes the Bayanian too, uh, there would be more... Uh, also, uh, credit guarantees available, especially for the MSMEs. Uh, well, with, with that, that would address that would address the some aversion of, of some sorts, no? Because just given these economic conditions, uh, sometimes uh, 
some of the lenders may also be kind of careful as well to mm-hmm. but that would address it. The, the credit guarantees would address it because that will be backed uh, and supported by the government. The, th- those uh, loans that will be guaranteed. So there would there, so that will address the risks, the credit risk from the point of view of the banks. So that would hopefully help encourage uh, greater lending. And at the same time, there's also increased ca- capital, uh, some increase in capital, some infusion by the government to to, to the biggest uh, state banks, to, to, to the two biggest uh, government banks. That would also help uh, expand lending to the MSMEs. And at the same time, they, they could also buy some of the loans from smaller banks. Uh, so and, That's right. Oh. Yeah, there are also a lot of, uh, because of course, you need the government banks also to, to help, especially those in the countryside. Uh, we have seen also some regulatory relief measures, at, at least since March. We have seen continuous regulatory relief measures such as, um, like, uh, uh, well, the, the so-called credit risk weights, uh, the, the lending of banks to MSMEs, uh, we have seen a reduction in the credit risk weight. It used to be 75%. It's now down to 50%. So meaning, mm-hmm. in short, um, it, it, it would, uh, still, it would also encourage banks to increase their lending because, uh, well, credit risk weights are normally, uh, that, 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 that's normally incorporated into the computation of the capitalization of, of uh, banks yeah. because, uh, at the same time, there are also other regular, regulatory measures, especially for the smaller banks. Uh, they were given uh, th- their time to comply with the more stringent uh, financial regulations, uh, especially for capitalization. That has been deferred uh, by at least a year. So meaning, uh, yeah. even, the small, even the smaller banks, uh, th- th- that gives them greater flexibility to increase their lending. Because whenever they increase their lending, uh, they, uh, as part of being prudent, the re- regulators would normally require a risk weight uh, to commensurate with the uh, uh, with, with the credit risk involved. But really, that, that would encourage them. And more importantly also, uh, there have been also some uh, credit guarantees also available for uh, borrowers in the agricultural sector, especially those in the provinces, in the rural areas. So, so that would definitely help a lot, especially the MSMEs all over the country. So we, we have seen a lot of uh, these uh, regulatory relief measures. So yeah. Actually, I'm, uh, I'm seeing here a good friend of mine, see Herbert Tan, is saying that's what that's what he's been looking for, that you want government financial institutions to actually compete with their private banks to help lend to our MSMEs uh, more competitively right now because that's what we need. Yeah, yeah, Norbert, talaga nakikinig. A lot of friends listening here right now. Another one is saying that my good friend Romel Nang of Buffalo Wings and Things and also of Resto Coach, really reviving consumption is key, especially for the restaurant industry. Uh, the restaurant industry, for example, restaurants will re-employ more people and even resume expansion if the market recovers through employment. These are key things that uh, uh, we need to see coming up uh, through the pipeline. Um, guys, we don't have much. I, I hope you don't mind. I had, I had to interrupt you, Michael, no? but they're just uh, as we wrap up this, this 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 discussion, and it could take a long time because this is such an interesting topic. Uh, there's two more things I want to cover, really, I, and because f- there's a lot of entrepreneurs listening to our show right now. Uh, there are two things which they want to two things which they want to know, and and they go hand in hand. The first one is that with regard to uh, recovery, 
what type of recovery do you think we are looking at? Because in the past, people have been saying, is it going to be a U-shaped recovery? Is it going to be an L-shaped recovery? You know, people are wondering, what alphabet will we do? What, what, what alphabet growth will we be doing? How, how do you think you predict right now the economy will be improving? How, 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 how fast? Do we need more prayers, Dr. Al, to recover faster? And at the same time, um, what are the emerging opportunities that can we see as an, uh, uh, as an entrepreneur? Because as an entrepreneur, you, okay, forget about the stress, the anxiety, and, and, and the pain points. Let's just look, focus on the pain points. What are the good sustainable opportunities which we can look to right now that might exist uh, in the new normal and can even be sustainable after this pandemic is over? So, Dr. Ang, what do you think recovery is going to be like and uh, what are the emerging opportunities you see for uh, for entrepreneurs? Yes, again. Uh, well, in uh, last week, in our economic briefing at Ateneo, we, our colleague, uh, Dr. Dumlao, came up with a uh, proposal that uh, we're not looking at a V, U, but we're looking at a swoosh, like a Nike, you know, going down and then going up. <laughs> swoosh. Uh, swoosh. Okay. Uh, and and, okay. He, and I, I tend to agree because uh, the context there is that, uh, yes, we're going down, but when we recover, uh, the growth path will not be the same. I mean, it's not. this is not just a disruption and then we go back to the old ways. The usual. Uh-huh. Yeah, because there will be, as, as I said earlier, there will be industries that may, may not really recover anymore. There will be businesses that, you know, you just have to set it aside for the next two years. So you have to re- rebalance things there. So meron naman aakyat na iba. And so in that case, the recovery, so if you're growing at a path of about 6%, now the swoosh would make you grow in a path of another level, lower level, let's say 4% or even lower 3 But still, okay, because you're growing. What mm-hmm. important thing is we need to grow back, going back to the growth path. So... How long it will be dependent on how fast we have the confidence back. So okay. in Sahin, it's really a confidence issue for both consumers and producers and, and and suppliers and business people. Now on the opportunities, uh, as I as I said, no, one of the things that can bring back confidence is when you have the opportunities very clearly. Uh, the opportunities come out when people understand that uh, the protocols are very clear and understandable now. For instance, as I was saying right now, there is a lot of opportunity, for example, for uh, for uh, interior designers, for um, in- engineers, industrial engineers, how to redo things. Uh, redesign may, things, especially redesign for the new normal. Yeah, yeah, may op- malaking opportunity yan, including... It, it involves everything, no, including transport. Even the the this. What will you do with the with the with the excess space, space now in many uh, malls? Malls. Because yeah. you have excess space done for the meantime. So what do you do with that? You have to think, no. So those it, can it become a logistic facility? Can it become uh, can it become a a, a, a storage kind of? Uh, you know, you, you, the, the opportunities beyond the, the usual, you would really have to think, you know, bridging into this new normal. Ano yung mga needs, you know, the gaps? You know? It's like you said, what are the irritants? You know? the, your irritants, RJ. You know? So this, uh, there's a lot of irritants <laughs> there that, that is going to come out. And so, 
uh, para sa akin, I'm, I'm looking at this, ano, no? these are really big gaps. How to, how to restructure, realign, uh, reorganize the way of doing things in business. And it can be, it can go as micro and it can go as macro. Yun. So, I mean, yung, yung kanina nasabi ko na yung mga, yung mga essentials, no? they will remain. Food, uh, logistics, uh, construction, uh, pharmaceuticals, they will remain. No? Sinabi rin ni Michael, uh, BPOs, and then the digital space. But what would bring them all back together or connect them together is this redesigning of things. I think the opportunity lies a lot there. Yeah. I like what you're trying to say because it's really, it's actually a lot of going on here. It's realigning how you think about business right now mm-hmm. in this new normal, which is which is very key. Which is what, if, if you did the digital pivot during this time, it's because of that, of that realization that you had to to recreate the business structure. It's sort of like saying, this is your business. This is your business. But what's the business model behind it now? Yeah, it's sort of yeah, saying like, yeah. you are in tourism, you're in malls, but you've got to take a look again at what are your current resources and sort of say, mm. how do we re-pivot things to adjust uh, during this period? And before I pass on the, the mic to, to Mike, no, Dr. Ang, and, and, and uh, Herbert brought up a, a point, uh, my friend here online, brought a very important point over here. And if you can show the comment of Herbert, it's that, you know, you, the Philippines, as we know, is a consumer-driven economy. It were a consumption-driven economy. And, a lot of, you know, if there's no consumption, the economy won't improve. But right now, uh, consumers are rattled, diba? They're, I mean, they're mm. very rattled. They don't want to spend money. And, you know, like you say, it's a, it's a chicken or the egg sort of act. How do we get them to spend again? Because, you know, restaurants is consumption economy. Travel is uh, consumption economy. Uh, you know, what do you think about that, uh, uh, Dr. Ang? Well, I mean, as I was saying earlier, they're all related to this bottom word called confidence. So people will start to consume again when they know that when they go out, they will not get the virus. People will, will start to do what they used to do. You know, it might not be in the same magnitude or same level as before, but at least, you know, it creates economic activity. Yun yung kilara natin eh. But people okay. right now would rather stay home eh. Diba? Order okay. na lang tayo. Diba? So they're all dreaming, you know. Five, almost six months of not being able to go out. You know, you see there's a volcano in everyone right now in regard to tourism. Oh. Yeah, you, you know, there is a volcano there. You know? and, and once things are open, you have seen the countries that have opened up. People just must out to go to the, to, to, to the nearest place where they can enjoy the sunshine, oh. the water. It means that it it it's it's not uh hindi na wala yung consumption desires ng tao the behaviors are potentially still there but they cannot do it because they don't have confidence oh yun yun Sin- basically Sin- sinabi nga sa china diba they call it the revenge spending right after yeah. the lockdown was over there so wuhan even in wuhan yung uh, yeah. revenge spending after that was hopefully uh, things will go back. See, sabi ni Herbert, okay na siya, thumbs up na siya. Maraming salamat sa sagot mo, Dr. Ang. Uh, <laughs> ikaw, uh, Mike, what, what do you think naman? What kind of recovery do you expect and what are you seeing as the emerging opportunities for our entrepreneurs from this period up to a sustainable thing during the new normal and beyond? Sige, Mike. Yeah, so, well, of course, reality is we're still in this period of attrition, uh, uh, meaning there's still a lot of... Uh, cost-cutting uh, going on. 
that that would but the opportunity the opportunity that would entail it would be the as as I mentioned earlier outsourcing because uh, outsourcing and at the same time it would also outsourcing moving towards again more jobs moving to the Philippines and of course uh, some shift from trad- from tra- the traditional office spaces to work from home mm-hmm, so that, mm-hmm. that would be the kind of business model that we're looking that's why. Uh, that the, the telcos, the further development of the telco infrastructure is very important, uh, especially in these times, uh, because that's one of the uh, uh, one of the important minimum requirements to sustain that kind of uh, business model. So, mm-hmm. it, 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 overall, the recovery hopefully there would be interventions. Uh, we're anticipating now the create bill. The create bill would reduce. Corporate income taxes by five percentage points outright as soon as this year. So it has been okay. Uh, they'll try to target this. Maybe as uh, it, it will be a function of the pace of the legislators. So it could be sometime as early as the latter part of uh, the third quarter or fourth quarter. So you will the corporations, uh, including a lot of SMEs that are corporations, they will feel the reduction in corporate income taxes if this is passed uh, on time. And this is groomed to be, well, it doesn't end there. Uh, the 30% corporate income tax to be reduced to 25%, that would be further reduced uh, by decrements of one percentage point per year starting 2023 until it finally reaches 20% by 2027. So that's this is groomed to be the biggest stimulus measure for the Philippines. That would oh. it's like putting a lot of money into the books, that of putting a lot of money into corporations, including a lot of MSMEs that are corporations. So that that's uh, that would cost about forty billion just this year alone, and that would cost for the next six years, twenty twenty one to twenty seven. That would be around at least six hundred billion pesos. So imagine that that is that will be the stimulus that is forthcoming and uh, part of the priorities right now. So we have to anticipate that. Um, uh, that is something that's, uh, well, the closest to tangible, well, that's uh, the most, one of the most tangible reform measures forthcoming. Uh, on, on top of, uh, of course, we have the Bayanihan too that we complement it. Uh, we also have the FIS build or the creation of asset management companies that would help mm-hmm. bank manage the Non-perf- uh, well, the non-performing loans and other non-performing assets with tax incentives. It is similar to the SPV law uh, in 20, around uh, 2003 mm-hmm. after the Asian financial crisis. And we also have, the, of course, the increased infrastructure spending. Mm-hmm. That, that, this has been in place. We have seen already an acceleration in infrastructure spending uh, since the latter part of last year. And it, that would only be spilled over this time around. And uh, Because the, the, the multiplier effects are high, it would create more jobs. And hopefully... That these things, all of these reform measures, and the vaccine also, the vaccine would all hopefully, uh, because the vaccine is very important, especially for the tourism sector, as well as for uh, the retail sector, those in the in the malls, in restaurants, in in, in other businesses that entail crowds, the events business, the my business, <laughs> yeah. the food business, oh, the the food business, so yeah. So the development of the vaccines, that's why it it really got the markets excited when Vladimir Putin finally announced it uh, last week. So hopefully that would 
expedite the recovery. Of course, realistically, we may take about uh, one to two years, maybe going back to pre-COVID levels. Even IATA, the International Association of Airlines, uh, pointed out that that the global airline industry would only go back to pre-COVID-19 levels in by 2024. Or wow, that's four wow. years. That's quite, that's very long. Uh, hopefully, the vaccine would accelerate it. Thailand, which is which is one of the biggest, if not the biggest, tour, uh, cunt, well, country in terms of tourism. So it, it has acknowledged that at the onset that the development of the vaccine would accelerate any recovery. Well, any any recovery story in the well, that, that's not just there, but in the global tourism business. So hopefully, um, we'll see it. Uh, we have the elections in less than two years. We will see, of course, we will see a lot of acceleration in infrastructure projects a year from now. Uh, we will see a lot of government spending. Uh, for the various projects, of course, before the elections, a lot, a lot of projects must be completed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so normally we will see that before the election ban. So the action will come. Hopefully by next year we will see already the uh, well faster pace of uh, of uh, recovery, especially on government spending and infrastructure spending. And finally by 2022, hopefully we will already see uh, meaningful recovery during that election year. 2022. Uh, yeah, 2022. Yeah, 2022. Well, hopefully, uh, the, the stars will align when it comes to the recovery story by then. But next year, of course, mathematically, if we were estimating now GDP contraction, but that's already passed. We have seen the words already. Okay. That's already hindsight. It's already hindsight. Uh, even if, say, growth contracts to between minus 5 to minus 7 or maybe a little over that. But next year, we will see a growth of between seven to eight percent, because we're coming from a low base, so mathematically, but 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 that, 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 that's not yet back to pre-COVID nineteen levels. So by twenty twenty two, hopefully, the whole economy would be already be back to at least the levels that we've seen in last year in twenty nineteen. Well, thanks so much. Uh, I like that we've seen the worst already, and hopefully by twenty twenty two we are back on track with a swoosh, right, Doctor Alvin Ang? Again, thank you so much, uh, Doctor Alvin Ang. Of course, Ateneo Economics Professor and, and the Director of the Ateneo Center for uh, Economic Research and Development. Of course, Michael Ricofort, Vice President of RCBC and also their Chief Economist at the same time. I do hope all the listeners here gained a bit more about understanding what is happening to our economy and where we are moving to next. For our next podcast, if you would love to hear some from some pioneering business personalities and entrepreneurs, please let us know here on the RG Ladesma podcast. We would love to feature them here on the show. Again, thank you so much, Dr. Alvin Ang. Thank you so much, Mr. Michael Ricofort. This has been RG Ladesma. I'll see you guys again next week. Thank you very much. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.